0: Afternoon, everybody. This is Lance Robertson, the founder of the Culture Surfing Podcast, back again. It's been a while since we talked basketball after talking music for a couple weeks, but I'm very excited for the guest that I have on today. Uh, In short, I think she's one of the best uh, storytellers uh, that I've heard, uh, especially from the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, But we've been following each other on Twitter for a while, and I'm very surprised and humbled by that. So I'm happy to have her on. Uh, No further ado. How's it going, Mirin? Mirren Fader, everybody, from The Ringer.
1: Oh, man, thank you for that. It's so kind, and I'm so happy to be with you. Literally, we have followed each other for years, so I'm so honored to be on here.
0: Well, uh, I just want to let everybody know, uh, obviously, we're going to talk about it later, but uh, Mirren has a, a lovely book that's going to be coming out uh, later this year about Giannis Antetokounmpo, so that's obviously a big thing, but I just wanted to prime y'all for what we're going to talk about. But she also has a lovely story about Deshaun Tate, uh, a rookie out of the Houston Rockets. Unfortunately, they stink, but at least they have something that's really good on their roster. And a very inspiring story, which we'll get into soon. But first, uh, this is one of my favorite stories that you've ever written. And I know it's a good story. It's like a movie when even though I probably shouldn't care about the character, I end up caring about the character because of good writing. And this is before, obviously, uh, this player was in the league and the father kind of turned everybody off to the family or whatever. But LaMelo Ball, that LaMelo Ball story, obviously I've, I've read things before that from you, but that is when people ask me what she's written, I always go to that one for the first thing they should read. And his journey from being a pro overseas and everything, I just think you painted a beautiful picture. And I don't know, it made me care about you know, his well-being and his career, you know? So, uh, first of all, it was a very long story. So how long did it take to write and develop and just like map it all out of what you were going to do telling the story, Miran?
1: Yeah, no, thank you for that. I mean, I think the first one, the Lithuania one, it was like, I would say like a month prep for it. Um, just figuring out like, okay, you're going to go to this foreign country that you have no idea what's going on there we don't know the situation he's a minor he's in this you know pro league thrust out of high school so there was a lot of preparation you know we thought that I was going to be able to follow him for a month I literally packed up my life for a month um, to go there and on the like second day I was there Lavar like pulls the team out of their league and they go into this JV style league and so everything turns into a circus And I realize I have a a front row seat. And so it's like, how can you show the humanity of this boy caught in the circus?
0: Right. And it's and and you know what? I never disliked the kids because I just think that's a weird thing to do because it's not their fault. Everyone has overbearing parents or people have overbearing parents. Uh, So I think it was really, really special of you to to paint that, that he's just really caught in this sandstorm if you will of, of crap just around him happening and he's just reacting to it and it seems like he had a great attitude about it you know uh but with that said you said you you know you went out there did you I just curious did you go out on your own dime did you pay for it
1: no thankfully oh. um <laughs> I know well it was a, such a strange situation because at that time in my career I was not staffed for Bleacher Report. So I was a freelancer and I was a very fortunate freelancer to have them pay for this, you know, journey because a month away is a month away from being at home trying to stack up enough stories to try to make a career. You know, at that point I had just lost my job at the Orange County Register. I had been there for four years, but nobody really knew me. You know, I was just grinding away on, uh, you know, Cal State Fullerton baseball and little league baseball and, you know, little league basketball or whatever. And um, so they sent me over there, but I didn't have a translator and uh, I had to figure out everything in another language. And so it was essentially like you and LaMelo are both deeply uncomfortable in this environment. You're both from Cali. You both don't know how to wear snow boots. You both don't know what seasons are. Um, Now, Figure out how it looks through his eyes as you're going along for the journey.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great story. I like I said when I read it, there was just a lot going on, and I was just like, man, I, w- I wonder how she got there, like how that even came about. So I'm glad you didn't go on your own dime because I I, I figured <laughs> that's pretty expensive. Oh, yeah. I'm glad they were able <laughs> to take care of you. So as I've been saying, you know, for the last couple of minutes of how great you are at storytelling. Uh, And you have a lot of very interesting stories that that transcend sports, which is what I really appreciate about you, because obviously I'm a sports guy, but I I like reading general things as well. So I like that you can kind of, with your sports, uh, relate to things that are more important off the court. So with that said, like what are some of the favorite uh, stories or pieces that you've written thus far in your career?
1: Well, thank you for saying all that. I mean, I think for sure I love doing these like human interest portraits that show more than so and so is really good at basketball or baseball. I just feel like everything that happens to someone off the court affects everything that happens on the court. So I try to really show that in my work. Um, some of my favorites, Brandon Ingram. Um, I think Brandon was just very painted as this quiet, very sleepy person, but there was so much depth to him. And I really enjoyed getting to know him and doing that story because I think it just shows like whatever people think about these players, whatever narrative, it's just not true. You have to really get to know them and and show the dimensions because we're all complex, you know. And I think Brandon is a really complex person that just kind of doesn't get the credit for how cerebral he is. Um, I think another one recently was... Um, the Devante Adams piece I did for The Ringer, my first piece for The Ringer. And I I know this is more basketball podcast, but, you know, I really enjoyed that because I feel like fathers are rarely celebrated. um, And masculinity is very rarely discussed. And I really liked showing that side of him. um, Because I think people don't understand that, like, to these kids, their dads who are multimillionaires are just their dads, they don't. Football doesn't matter to them. Um, So I loved that. And then I would say um, the story I did on Gigi Bryant uh, last year, you know, I felt like people were treating her as a footnote in Kobe's story. And she was just so much more than that and just didn't have the agency. And I just kept reading articles. And the only thing I saw was like a one sentence thing, like, you know, Gigi loved basketball and she loved UConn and that's it. And she wanted to go to WNBA. And I just felt like we need to really honor this person's humanity. So I I was really um, challenged by, but eager to do that story. So I would say those three.
0: And you know what? Speaking of like people not putting it in a proper context, like when people just say Kobe died, I'm like, guys, there was a lot of people that died on that crash. And it's just, it's hard to talk about that stuff because you obviously don't want to disrespect people that passed away, you know, and. And I see that on Twitter a lot. I'm like, guys, it wasn't just Kobe that passed. Obviously he's the most influential, most known, but yeah. I, I need to read that story. I don't think I've read that. So I'm uh that's on the that was that was on Bleacher report, am, am I correct?
1: Yeah, it that was on Bleacher. It's called The Legacy of Uh Mambasita. But then this oh. year on the on the anniversary, I did a larger story about the Mambas as a whole and how they've been like coping. Um, over the last year so to your point to your point about a broader lens that's totally what motivated that second story on them because I just felt like you know we've we've so honed in on Kobe and hopefully Gigi which is of course valuable but look at all the other people look at and and really look at the teammates that they left behind that are are hurting Um, these are 14 15 year old girls whose lives are altered forever Um, so I, I just wanted to contribute that and again like center girls center women in my story
0: beautiful um oh man it's kind of hard to recover from that because obviously it's just very sad stuff yeah. uh so you being a i mean i'm i'm i know it sounds like i'm blowing smoke up your butt but you are one of the best storytellers out right now like especially in this industry because uh, i think a lot of stuff is focused on stats or you know just hot takey stuff which is fine i, uh, I appreciate all that uh th- all that stuff but i but I think storytelling is what transcends sports and it helps like people that don't really care about the Encore product, but it helps care and, and market these players, you know, which I think is more important uh, for business uh, and then, you know, for other things, maybe movies or whatever. But like, who did you grow up uh, aspiring to be or and maybe not even when you were younger, but like or at least not as young, but maybe when you were in college, who did you, who did you admire when it came to their work?
1: Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Cause I'm like the biggest nerd you could tell with my bookshelf, but, um, and I really like your bookshelf too. Um, but I, you know, I really fell in love with non-sports writers first. Like it was Toni Morrison, um, Louise Erdrich. Um, I just, I loved them. I became obsessed with their work. And when I was trying to figure out what to do with my life, because I was a former basketball player who loved writing this whole time, who's always been a nerd, whose AAU coaches were like, why are you reading a book before the game, like in the stands?" I never really figured, oh, I could be a sports writer. But when I started to, I was like, there's so many books in my garage about basketball, but I never looked at them as sports writers. I just, basketball was the only thing I would read growing up. Cause I was such an athlete. So I had all of Jack McCollum's books. Like I, I loved him. Like I, and now I know him and it's so weird to be like, dude, I read all of your stuff. Um, and so he was like the first guy I pulled back out and I was like, oh my gosh, like I want to write books like him. He's such an inspiration. And then, you know, Jeff Perlman wrote all these books and I was like, oh my God, I want to be like him. And then of course, Wright Thompson and Lee Jenkins, like, and Gary Smith. Like, I feel like I grew up, not grew up, but came of, you know, age, like college age, right around this like sweet spot of long form before it was quote unquote dying. And every Lee Jenkins piece was like, oh my God, Lee Jenkins piece is out. You know, it was like an event. And I just became so enamored with him and Sports Illustrated and Chris Ballard. And I was just like, I want to be like these guys one day, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, he is so, so good that uh, the uh I think the Clippers hired him, right? Yeah. yeah. That's insane.
1: I know. They hired I was, him. I
0: was, I, was, I
1: was sad. No, I was happy for him, but yeah. I was sad because I was like, oh, no. Like, who are we going to read, yeah. you know?
0: That was a big blow to sports writing. But I was just like, man, like, I really, I was like, I, his title, I still don't understand what it means to this day, but I was like, whatever, he's getting NBA checks now. So,
1: yeah, and he's that, a really nice guy, like, yeah. he deserves everything. Yeah. And he was such a role model to me whenever his piece would come out, he would thank people. And that's why I thank people because it's like, you know, it's a privilege to be able to put out a story and have people want to commit to that many words. So, I just, he's always going to be an inspiration right.
0: to me. And he doesn't uh, come off like a uh, Without obviously saying names, but like I know there's a lot of gatekeeping uh, everywhere, sure. but there's a lot of gatekeeping in sports writing, and it's kind of disgusting. But he never, yeah. obviously, I've never talked to him personally, but I, I do know a lot of people that have brushed shoulders with him, and there's a lot of people that sing his praise that used to work at Sports Illustrated, and it seemed like he was a uh, he was very approachable. So kudos there to him, is. and once again, the good guys do win. So I'm glad for him, yes. uh, but you were talking about Jack McCollum. Uh, I believe he wrote seven seconds or less, right? Yeah, yeah, which is one of the better basketball books. He also has a a Redeem Team podcast out uh, with J A Adonde. Um, have you been able to check that pod out recently?
1: I haven't listened to the pod. Um, I mean, the original book that it's based off of, Dream Team like it was such a classic that I was like, uh, like, I don't know if I, you
0: know. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've listened to the pod and, and there are some cool gems, but I'm, I'm kind of a basketball junkie. So a lot of this stuff I've already heard, but there are yeah. still some things that, that I haven't, uh, that I didn't read or hear before. So it's still appreciated. Uh, but nonetheless, <clears throat> let's get to it. This, this story, it was so out of left field because when you said you were writing about a player, I was like, well, who could it be? Because she's writing a book about Giannis. <laughs> so is she like gonna follow like Stephen Curry or is she gonna like leak like leak into Kawhi's crazy brain? Like, I don't know where she's going. And when you I'm said it good. was just Sean Tate, I was like, okay, like this this is definitely gonna be a heartfelt story because obviously he's a rookie there's really not much to talk about in terms of like his encore NBA career at the moment. So there's definitely going to have to be some digging. So I was like, I know I'm going to find something very heartfelt. So how yeah. did that come about? Like that has to be, I don't want to say random, but I was figuring it might've been like a California based team or a player. So how did that come about?
1: Yes. Well, I do have one of those coming up in a couple weeks. So maybe we'll talk again, but for this one, um, I, I, I was in Australia for the Lamello, the second Lamello story. Um, and that was like the big year where like they had RJ Hampton and everything. And I, Jay Shantae was playing and I, and I like saw him and I heard his name and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Like another American, but I didn't really, you know, think much of it. Cause I wasn't in Sydney a whole lot. He was playing in Sydney and I was in Wollongong, which is like an hour up the coast. So, um, but then I, you know, during COVID, it's been very hard to get NBA stories and, you know, access has been really tough. And, you know, I was like, who can I profile that is like on the cusp of stardom, but like is very young in their career to where I could get access to them. Um, And then I thought of him again because he was doing so well. And I was like, well, the rockets suck. Like maybe this would be a good, (laughs) you know, I could get access to him, you know? And then I talked to his agents and I was like, whoa, I didn't even know there was this backstory about his mom um, being murdered. And I just... It started to make sense to me how much of a hustle player Jay Sean was and all the things that he had gone through, even outside of his mother from being undrafted to having to go to Belgium, to having to go to Australia. And I was like, oh, this makes total sense. Now, everything he dealt with off the court influences what a scrappy guy he is on the court. And he's having a huge moment. And I think he's going to be a fantastic player. So um yeah I was just so interested to tell that story you know as we mentioned like for me there just has to be an element more than like so and so's having a good season and I felt like he had a lot of just really interesting parts to his story that I also feel like can inspire people because I do think the NBA is changing in terms of like small ball and stuff and you know I really it's just really cool to see him you know coming after that like model of PJ Tucker and um just doing what he does. So I just felt like this story could be relevant from a human side and a basketball side.
0: And you said that, like uh Tucker, it also says in your story that he looked up to Tucker. So it makes a lot of yeah. sense. And he kind of still, he kind of has that build bulldog ish, obviously not as big. I think he's like six, eight or something. 6'4", well, six, four, six, six, four. There six, we go. See even yeah. smaller, but he just yeah. looks bigger because he's like built like a bulldog, you know, his stocky shoulders, Uh, I've seen him play a couple times this year. And, I mean, the Mavs, I believe they lost to him twice. You know, I cover the Mavs. So he definitely has a higher motor than some of the players that uh, the Mavs have on their team. So it's very respectable uh, to see him play. And And I'm happy for players like that because so many, too many times in this league or in the NBA do they say, oh, you're too old because you're not 21 or 22 or 20 or 19. And so, like, we look at rookies like, him and we're like oh you know it's too late for him I'm like well not really I mean even if he has like five or six or seven more years that's still five or six or seven more years he you know he wouldn't have got if you just pass on him completely so right and it's so easy to give up when you have all these people saying you're too old you're too short and uh in the story I forgot what uh league it was in but you it said something about one of the owners of the team Said something about his height, and then he went out and grabbed like so many rebounds that the guy just automatically signed him. Was that the yeah. Was that the team where he was like on a a very uh, insecure contract where it was kind of like a like the like the version of an NBA's ten day or something like where it was very he could like not got like a guaranteed contract if you will.
1: Yeah, like the Belgium opportunity at first was only supposed to be like a month,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: he like played his ass off and he got extended. But then I think the second one you might be referring to when he lands in Australia for the NBL season, the owner picks him up at the airport and he's like, man, like you're really short. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just so like, wow, I cannot.
0: (laughs) I mean, I'm five, seven, so I know all about that, but yeah. But I also can't grab like 20 rebounds in a game. So.
1: Right. Right. But
0: it's just crazy because athleticism is just you just don't understand like yeah you're six four or whatever but if you have any elite athleticism it kind of nullifies it if you will so yeah i uh, so i wanted to talk about uh, more serious stuff with him i know you mentioned his mother unfortunately getting killed uh i i, I want to make sure i got this correctly but they did end up finding her killer is that correct yeah okay mm-hmm you know rest in peace that's that's very tragic um but there's one thing that stuck out and i'm actually seeing the instagram picture right now from the from the story but describe to the people this tattoo that he has in honor of uh, his mother if you don't mind
1: yeah i hope i get it right because i don't have it in front of me but i know it's a key Mm -hmm. um her name was Corey key (laughs) and uh, it has her name and he just got a new one actually on his quad. Um, You know, one of the things that I learned early on um, as a sports writer on my first meeting, when I met up with uh, Jeff Perlman, who became like a really good friend and mentor to me, he said, always look at the tattoos, you know, tattoos tell stories. And um, that's been a staple for me. And uh, I think, I miss being in person where you can just, oh, what's that tattoo from? And it leads you to a whole narrative. Um, yeah, like I, I really wanted to have that image in my story of the key and the tattoo because he looks at it often. And it's just a good reminder that, um, you know, especially in my story, you know, like the things that happen to athletes as kids, like often – affect the adults they become just like you and me, like stuff that happened to us as kids, definitely affect our behaviors now. And so NBA players are no different. So I just think it's really important to kind of show that context because everyone has a story, everyone comes from somewhere, everyone's gone through something. And it's, you know, it's up to you as the writer to like be respectful and empathetic, especially when you're going into somebody's trauma like this, you know, Jay Sean hadn't talked about this in public for a really long time. And he never really had somebody asking about that. And so, you know, also talking to his grandparents, you know, that's Corey was their daughter. Like, it's really hard. Um, but, you know, you, you know, we talked about Gigi Bryant earlier. Like, I don't want to shy away from hard stories. Like, I want to honor them and, and do my best with them.
0: And, and so th- <clears throat> I'll say this. I think you did a, a, a wonderful job. You're very sensitive to the subject because... I actually heard that this happened, but the way that I heard it was so tacky. I forgot what regional commentator person it was, but they mentioned it during the basketball game and they were like uses his it's just it should not be used in that way, but he they pretty much said that he uses the anger of his mother dying for his motor and I'm like, dude, they don't put it out like that. Like that's so tacky. Like this is well said Obviously, you collaborated with him for the story, and so, like I said, I we that's why we need stuff like this because when you just hear people blurt it out on live TV, it just sounds so tacky. Uh, so I'm I'm glad you were able to package it up like this, uh, very delicately, which a lot of people can do. Because I'll tell you what, uh, I wrote about. Um, I just did a little thing about Kobe uh, or not even Kobe, but the Brian estate, like how they're not going to be with Nike anymore. And even then, that was hard for me because I'm like, well, how, how do I address Kobe Bryant no longer being here? But at the same time, respecting the the Brian estate and obviously Vanessa. It, it's not easy when, when talking about death because it's it's not like we're just having a casual conversation. This is for millions of people to read or whatever. So uh, I do want to say I, I, I just I really love the job you did. And I, I suggest everybody go read it. Um, but before we get out of here, because I know you're a very busy lady, and I'm like I said, I'm honored to have you on here. So I don't want to, I don't want to waste your time. You are
1: never wasting my uh, time. Ever. I'm. Oh, loving, you're too loving kind. Being here. You're
0: too kind, Miran. Thank you. Uh, so this is. I'm really excited about this because I think Gian, uh this story of Giannis needs to be told because I've heard bits and pieces of of where he's come from, and and he's just an interesting guy. And obviously, ever since he came into the league, you know, every, pretty much everyone loves him. I don't really know people that hate, even though I know hate's a strong word, it's an overused word, but I don't know any people that have any real animosity animosity towards Giannis. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited for your book. I'm probably going to pre-order it as soon as we get off of here. So like, what should we expect uh, from the improbable rise uh, of the NBA uh, NBA MVP, sorry, of Giannis onto What should yeah, we expect? Yeah, thank
1: you for that. Um, so I think... To your point about bits and pieces, that's so true. I feel like all of us have like a very rudimentary Mm -hmm. level of understanding of Giannis's story. He grew up poor. He sold trinkets on the street. He did not have papers. Somehow he winds up a global icon. Think how much we don't know within that silhouette. Um, We kind of don't know much of anything. Um, And this book fills in that silhouette. Like I really... You know, I, I said to my editor, I was like, shit, childhood is like running up half the book. Like, how are we going to get to the NBA? You know, <laughs> um, and I just, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's always said in passing, part, partly because he doesn't do a lot of media. But, um, you know, I, I, you can expect to have a very, very deep dive into what the childhood was like. You can expect to have a very deep dive into what the racism was like. That's a part of his story that's totally brushed over and is not really talked about in a global context and what that means, um, you will see a more vulnerable side of Giannis. The book is based off of my profile of him and his brothers for uh, Bleacher Report, and it really focused on the tender parts of Giannis, the loving parts of Giannis, the protector, the brother. So much of our conversation of Giannis is always like the athleticism, freak, 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 Um
0: yeah, yeah, I don't even like saying that nickname anymore. It's yeah. kind of weird. And you now. just
1: miss his mind and you miss his heart and you miss his story. And so, you know, my book hopefully aims to just kind of really have that in there. And I think I, I the goal is to make it so that if you know nothing about basketball, you will enjoy my book. If you love basketball and it's all you think about, you will love the book. Like there's something for everyone. There's crazy draft stories, there's superhuman Years, there's this and that. Um, and lastly, I will say it is a story that I want people from Milwaukee, Milwaukee fans to feel seen. I interviewed a lot of Milwaukee fans over the years because um, this book situates Giannis's story with the rise of the books. So it's the rise of Giannis, but it's also the rise of the books because the two go hand in hand. He really saved that franchise from oblivion, uh, they would not still be in Milwaukee without him. So it is a story of the Bucks uh, and the story of of young. So.
0: I'm getting chills. Oh my god! That, that's how you sell a book, ladies and gentlemen. How you do it? Buy me two or three. Oh my god! <laughs> that's how you sell a book.
1: How you do it? Oh my god!
0: That was really good. You should be like a wrestler manager or something. That was really good hype. Oh my god oh man I hope people well Mary, can um it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I had to no thank you're you good. Indul- thank you for indulging me
0: <laughs> no this is this is wonderful I mean I like I said I appreciate you coming here today I know you probably have like two or three NBA players or some olympian medalist uh, gold medalist interview or something so uh I just before I get you out of here, for the, for the weird people under a freaking rock that don't know who you are, plug away. Let them know where they can find your work. And if maybe you can, allude to what you have coming. Whatever you want to say.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I did spend a lot of time on my website, which has all my features. Um, it's just mirinfader.com, my first and last name. Uh, I am on Twitter, uh, Mirandfader. It's very simple. I do have another NBA feature coming out in a couple of weeks. I believe the first week of May. So I'm excited for that. I've been trying to get this guy for a very long time. Um, So I hope that comes together in time and um, you can pre-order my book. I'm sorry. I had to say it again. Anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Indies, whatever Barnes, whatever um, support bookstores. Um, And I just want to thank you for having me on. I mean, what an absolute joy. Uh, It's so cool to like meet your friends that you, Never met in person, and so yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, if mirren Fader considers me a friend, I am very blessed. <laughs> I, that is very nice of you, and uh, I really hope we can come. Uh, you can come on again. Uh, it's very enlightening, and like I said, it's I like the human aspect that you bring to the game. And too many times, do some of the, some fans I just can't even talk to because they just talk so disgustingly about players. Obviously. We all have players that we may not dislike, but at the end of the day, it's really just a basketball game, and yeah. there's no need to get a little too out of hand with how people criticize players. So I cannot wait to read that Giannis uh, book. That is definitely going to be on my Christmas list this year. So Amazing. Once again, Miran, it's been a pleasure. Everybody, all my viewers, listeners, however you digest me, signing off, Culture Surfing. We'll see you all in a week.